Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to We're Drunk and We Know Things and continuing our return to not normal, the new normal. The new normal. Where we went from last last month when in we recorded in a garden and a living room. We're now recording in a beer garden. Well, is it a beer garden or is it an alfresco seating area? It's an alfresco seating area in a town adjacent location. Nice. <laughs> We're outside Crafty Jays. <laughs> We are drinking things by Overtone. We are. They're bloody good as well. I'm not sure what my thing is called, actually. I don't uh, think I've had a beer oh, since Global last time Gathering. We that seems unfortunate, given the, <laughs> given the circumstances. <laughs> well, considering the other beer I nearly bought was called High Five. <laughs> ah, living vicariously through beers. Yes, they <laughs> We enjoyed ourselves so much last <laughs> Sorry, month. Sorry, just very good. The... I'm really looking forward to a pint of hand job later. <laughs> anyway, go on. That was worth interrupting for. Crack on, then. <laughs> Please don't say crack. We enjoyed ourselves so much last month doing a sensible film that didn't involve Klingons uh, <laughs> that we decided we'd double down. So Tri- this month... Triple down. Triple down, no. <laughs> uh, this month on We're Drunk and We Know Things, we're heading back to 1949. Yes. Uh, arguably a, a cinemat- cinematographic noir classic. Hey, I, yeah, I, I don't know if there's even an argument for that. I think it just is. I'm pretty sure some they'll argue about anything these no, days. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, we're going uh, all the way back to 1949, and we are watching and discussing The Third Man. That's what I do. I drink. And I know things. Yes, The Third Man. <laughs> when are you going to open with yes? <laughs> Yep. After you dropped a hand job and, in the intro. Oh, start with and, instead. And we'll be enjoying it, Rob. <laughs> really good to come back from the break of the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. all right, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the third man. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, not giddy about being in the Not going to lie, I was given a short list uh, to choose from this month. Uh, I chose the third man for several reasons, one of which will make you laugh immensely. Uh, <laughs> oh, the first the other one, one me cry. was, frankly, uh, Orson Welles. Sure. Haven't seen um, enough of him. There we go. Also, I'd never seen this before. Had you not? No. Why wow. would I? It was made in 1949. It's like a legit classic. So are many things. I've <laughs> no, not seen enough. them either. I suppose unless you particularly Thirdly, like film or Thirdly, I got one. really excited about the fact that in 1949, uh, cinema was so progressive that they let uh, what I now know to be a man called Carol make a movie. <laughs> I legit thought it was a lady director. Um, that like is a, not the case. Like, was it, is it Terran, uh, I would also suggest that I mentioned this to our producer who nodded knowingly and said, yeah, yeah. So clearly he didn't know either. <laughs> sure, sure. It's but like yeah. when you talk about new bands with our producer, the, the, when he says, oh, you just heard about them, the first question you should ask is, oh, yeah, what's your favourite album? He can never, <laughs> you can just hear the distant clacking of a it's, keyboard. It's a bit unfair. <laughs> it's good because he's but, sat here and he can't defend himself because oh, he's not allowed to talk. I think he can. <laughs> If we, anyway. go, if we go off mic, if you get dead air, it's because we're basically being pummeled the rest of the by a man who's been pushed too far. <laughs> Me talking, anyway. Talking through a split lip. Speaking of men who've been pushed too far, pushed a breaking point. <laughs> wow. 
I'm trying to get back in this film. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so that man. I, know, I mean, spoiler alert: he shoots his best friend in the back. So I suggest he gets pushed pretty far. It's, it, oh, yeah, sorry. I thought you meant Harry Lyme gets pushed very. Anyway, the third man, yes, uh, made in '49, uh, made in Vienna, a beautiful city, which Not is still much then. <laughs> well, no, it was still very much post-war at yes, that point, I mean, and well, that's yeah, highlighted shot in massively. Yeah. Um, it is. It is funny. I, mean, I suppose technically it's post-war now, but <laughs> at the beginning when they're setting up like Vienna, like this is what Vienna was like after the war. It's not like oh, it was made twenty I nev- years. I later. never knew Vienna in the golden years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, but, it, but yeah. it's not like it was made in the sixties. They're like, oh, this is what it was like then. They're like, oh no, this is literally what it was like when we were there last week. <laughs> it's um, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, and yes, as you say, a, a classic of the film noir uh, genre. Uh, directed by Mr. Carol Reed and Mr. Graham Greene. You'll be interested to know. So should we um, do a quick plot summary? I think that would be fair, although you're going to have to help me out with some of the character <laughs> names. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because I've only watched it once. Okay. So, Holly Martins. Holly Martins, uh, American <laughs> writer of Pulp Fiction Westerns. Indeed. Has been invited to Vienna by his good friend Harry Lyme. Mm-hmm. Uh, ostensibly to uh, give him a job. Yes. Uh, yeah. And he gets there only to discover that he's missed him by ten minutes. Yes. Because yeah. he's died. The is magnificent, yeah. The lady took him in a box. Yeah. yeah. He's been uh, escorted out. Uh, we flash forward to the funeral, mm. and then a bunch of stuff happens, including... He meets Major Calloway. The meeting of Major Calloway, Fantastically who... Fantastically English. Uh, really English. By Trevor Howard. It's absolutely amazing in this film. And... Um, and Martin Schmidt... Martin starts to think that not all is well with uh, the death of Lyme. So yeah, so he hears that he's been hit by a truck, uh, and um, two men, uh, his his friend, the the Baron, Baron Kurtz, and his doctor, um, Carrot Doctor Doctor Winkle, who then uh, Winkle, thank you. he, they carry him over, and then he says, "Oh, look after my girlfriend, Anna Schmidt, because I'm gonna die in it." Uh, Spot on, Orson Welles impression, by the way. Thank you, thank you very much. he said, look after her. And then, but then the porter's like, oh, he died straight away. And not only that, there were three men that carried the body to the side of the road. Something doesn't smell right. Dick, down, down. So, uh, <laughs> Martins then dashes off on a bit of a crappy detective uh, mission. <laughs> it is proper half ass. Yeah, he really... He just goes places to be like, hey, what do you know? And they're like, nothing, or maybe something. And then later they tell him. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like he really gives them the... You know, he really puts the tax to them kind of thing. And we uh, progress this way through basically two-thirds of the film. Uh, he develops a love interest with, uh, what's her name? Anna. Anna Schmidt. Um, meets all sorts of crazy characters. Yep. Gets drunk a lot. He drinks a lot. We, we'll come to that a bit later. <laughs> yeah, he's very much meant to be a drunk. This is pre... Um, and gets warned drunk. off by uh, both the Americans... Uh, oh, and, and well, sorry, no, the British... The, the second man police. who's actually meant to be Popescu. Is, uh, is meant to be the second man is meant to be Popescu. He gets warned off by him as well at the at the blah blah blah. Yeah, and then um, he realizes eventually because somebody opens their window. That is an amazing reveal. Hang on, hang on. Like, Before we get to that, he's got to go and talk to the porter. Yes. Because the porter is going to tell him all about the third man. Mm. He gets there and the porter has been murdered. And then the whole crowd thing and that kid. Oh, that was a bit creepy. Kid. Nah. Yeah, accusing him and all crowd. They chase him. Yeah, they chase him. So they chase him. He gets away, and then he's given up. He's yeah. drunk. He's he said goodbye to Miss Schmidt. He goes and speaks to the um, uh, Major Calloway, who's like, "Listen, Harry Lyme was a scumbag," and there's oh. like a montage of like showing him all of this terrible. You haven't got any evidence, and he's like, "Oh well, here is a montage of all the evidence we have." <laughs> it's 
time for the Magic Lantern show, old boy. <laughs> yes, amazing, yes. Um, yeah, uh, and he basically totally disillusioned, gives up, and he's stumbling home drunk and sees uh, a cat that likes shoes in the doorway. Well, no, because she said uh, the cat doesn't like him earlier in the film, and she says, oh, the only person he ever likes is Harry. So then the Harry, the cat is... Yeah, I'm just then... realising now that you were joking, you didn't actually think it was a cat that likes shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I've just caught up in the moment there. Yeah. I'm so really you, you, you good? Wow, he read this film really badly. He thought that cat does like shoes. It's super well, he weird. does. He's just seen earlier where he likes his <laughs> shoes, and then he likes the other guy's shoes. <laughs> yeah, he set it up exactly. Uh, uh, but yeah, and then you get this wonderful reveal where yeah. he's shouting at the doorway. The grinning mug of Orson Welles. Um, and it's a fairly gruesome visage. Um, Orson Welles he was a handsome dude. Weenie. I think he's a handsome motherfucker. I would before he got big old chunky boy. No, I don't think I would. Although he's a handsome guy. Yeah, I think maybe it's the charisma that there is a chase. The first chase. The first chase. Uh, lots of lovely shadow play and uh, dashing around, uh, yeah, and yeah. then he disappears. Dun dun dun. And so then he then goes. To Martins goes to Callaway again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because he's pretty much going in circles at this point. Yeah, oh yeah. He like goes and sees Callaway three times to have the same conversation. He's like, yeah. "You should help me get him." No. Second conversation. You should help me get him. Well, maybe I'm thinking about it. And then you should help me get him. All right, I'll get. I'll help All right, him. but only if you do this. Only if you let Anna stay in the nice part of Vienna, because Vienna is split up amongst the four. Yes. Axis powers. Is that uh, sure. The right way of saying it. I don't think we were the Axis. I think we were the Allied powers. But <laughs> yeah, that would be the one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it does have an Axis. Depends what size of the fence you're standing on, I suppose. But sure. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that it's universally recognised that we were the Allies. They me were the Axis. That the Vienna wasn't split up by the Legion of Doom. <laughs> It wasn't Lex Luthor had one Wait, board, so. are, are we the baddies? <laughs> anyway. Yes. So, um, he says, I'll help you get him, but you've got to get, get, let, Anna, let Anna go and let her not have to go back to the Russian quarter because it's a shithole. And he's like, all right. And he's like, oh, I say, totally good. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, so he does. Kind of. Then they get on a big old Ferris wheel and Orson Welles gives the most ridiculously amazing performance in the eight minutes of screen time that he has. Uh, it is disgusting how good it is he wrote all his own dialogue but we'll, again, yeah. we'll come to it later um, he's incredibly charming um, and I and also look, a little terrifying I'm a little bit in love with Orson Welles I'll tell you that's right that's fine I have no problem with it I'm just saying I'm, I'm, I don't see the handsomeness uh, Swiss Cuckoo Clock which we'll come to later and then he's like ah okay and by the way I can bring you in old boy um, lots of American people talking like they're English in this film uh, I'll bring you in old boy so he says okay I'll help you catch him they set him up essentially and then it's a big old famous chase through the sewers yep and then Shoots him in the back. Yeah. Well, Martin, we kills. Technically, uh, gets shot by Sergeant Payne. Yeah, he, kill, he kills Bernard Lee, but he gets shot off and he wing, wings him. Yeah. He tries uh, to get out through the sewer grate, but can't because he's not. He's been shot, and then um, Martin has to finish him off with Payne's gun. Well, we believe. We don't see. Yeah, but he, yeah. Well, he does. No, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm telling you now, he does. <laughs> you can't tell me now. You don't know. I, don't, I was there. <laughs> I am Holly Martins. <laughs> I was that creepy child. I am Joseph Cotton. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, roll, uh, not quite roll credits so because they then bury him again. They bury him again, and, and uh, you get probably one of the best shots I've ever seen in cinema. Yes, it's the, not bad, is it? There is a very, very, yeah. very long, as in it is long in terms of both duration, but also in terms of setup, perfectly framed of an avenue down, uh, down the graveyard yeah. in, in Vienna. He's mirroring the earlier scene when he uh, first meets at, meet, first meets. Anna Schmidt just walks straight past him. Yeah. Totally Doesn't give him time of day. So good. So good. And then he lights a cigarette. And then you roll credits. Yeah, this is one of those movies like every every noir of this or film of this period that makes me really, really miss being a smoker. 
So I'm like, God damn, these motherfuckers look so cool. <laughs> Everybody knows that smoking a cigarette increases your cool level by at least 25%. I don't think it does any more. It definitely did that. It just does. Uh, um, there we go, that's yeah, the plot. What you that's got? the plot, isn't it? So there we go. The end. Thanks. Boom. Oh, yeah, so it, like, and anyway, Harry Lyon was the third man. Yeah. Anyway. Old man, you never should have gone to the police, you know. You ought to leave this thing alone. Have you ever seen any of your victims? You know, I never feel comfortable on these sort of things. Victims? Don't be melodramatic. Look down there. Would you really feel any pity if one of those dots stopped moving forever? If I offered you 20,000 pounds for every dot that stopped, would you really, old man, tell me to keep my money? Or would you calculate how many dots you could afford to spin? Free of income tax, old man. Free of income tax. The only way you can save money nowadays. A lot of good your money will do you in jail. That jail's in another zone. There's no proof against me. Besides you. Solve that one. <laughs> cool, crack the case. Anyway, so let's talk about production because that's what we do on this podcast. Also, what... to be honest, uh, from a as we'll get on to probably a bit later, but uh, from a plot perspective, this is not a wonderful shocker. No, um, the story is quite weak. However, from a performance and production perspective, yeah. it is stellar. Yeah, I mean, so let's spend like some it, time talking about those. Talk things. about liking a, a Dutch angle. It's uh, yes, I mean, it, like every, it's amazing. It is so, so good. It's so good. Again, we will come to it later. It makes so, you feel a little bit queasy. <laughs> it does get a bit seasick. It's not one to watch when you're drunk. Uh, well, when we come to recommendations, I will talk about that uh, as well because my recommendations list had to be trimmed down three times because I realised I'd basically just written out every movie Orson awesome Welles has ever made. <laughs> anyway, so this film was made in 1948. Sure. That's, that's all I've got. No, I'm kidding. Um, I couldn't find out how much it made. But it cost uh, it cost, it cost $277,000. But for some reason, Box Office Mojo, all my normal go-tos, Google, in fact, um, couldn't seem to tell me. It was... It's a, it's a, anywhere it had between, a short run, Anywhere between $250,000 and a million and a half dollars. Which... Uh, Split the difference. Doesn't matter. Moving on. Yeah, exactly. Who cares? Um, it was directed by Carol Reed, who was not only a man but also directed the movie Oscar. Oh, no, he didn't. He directed the movie Oliver, for which he won an Oscar. <laughs> As opposed to Oscar, for which he won an Olivier. <laughs> he won an Olivier, yeah. He, won, he delicted, you know, that uh, Oliver from the Didn't 60s. win a Grammys for either of them. <laughs> oh, nice. nice, thanks, yeah. It was written by Mr. Graham Greene, who wrote Our Man in Havana and Brighton Rock, who, by the way, was a spy. An actual spy? He was an actual spy. We'll come to that a bit later. So would he um, now have to register under the new plans? <laughs> He would, yes, he would. Uh, it was produced by David O. Selznick, who is a very big figure in uh, Hollywood of this period, of golden mm-hmm. age of Hollywood, that golden age of all the terrible, nightmarish, the horrible reality of what actually it was like. But anyway, he was a big producer um, and kind of a prick. Um, but he was a producer of Gone with the Wind, or as I put it here, Gone with the Wine. I was clearly, had, I, wrote my, I wrote my notes like... Just before wine o'clock, shall we say. Who'd, who'd have thought that <laughs> a, a Freudian slip could exist, even in a podcast? Gone with the wine. Fantastic. Uh, and he also produced the original Star is Born. Yes. Because, you know, there's like 25 Stars is Borns. Uh, and he was also produced by Alexander Corda, who was an English producer. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the first filmmaker to ever be knighted. He was knighted in 1942 for services to the British film industry, don't you know? Yeah. Yes. Um, Graham Greene was a spy in real life. All right, go on. I mentioned it before. Uh, he travelled <laughs> very ex- extensively. 
um, because he was uh, loaded. Spider um, who? Uh, four MI6. So he was actually recruited oh, by. Oh, right, so he was one of ours. He was one of ours. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. He was recruited by his sister. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> he was recruited by his sister Elizabeth into MI6. who already worked at MI6. The the thing of this, there's a lot of stuff about him being a spy and where he was stationed and that kind of stuff. But him being a spy means there's not like I can't tell you loads of stories about cool stuff he did as a spy because that's kind of the nature of being a spy. <laughs> but he was stationed in Sierra Leone during the Second World War. Uh, and he briefly helped the Belgians escape to the Congo in the 50s. Okay. Uh, whilst the Belgians were... Does this have anything to do with the film? He, no, I'm just giving you a bit of background. And he briefly aided the rebels in Cuba. Nice. He was a spy in it. Um, he worked with Carol Reed three times. He did? This is the first time. Okay. Um, but yeah, so let's let's talk about a little bit about the actual film, shall we? If we could just steer it generally <laughs> back in that direction. This is now a Graham Greenpoint fan cast. <laughs> have you read Brighton Rocks? Great. <laughs> um, it's a bit of a downer, admittedly. So anyway, 1948, Alexander Korda wanted to make an espionage film set in Europe, chiefly Austria and Italy, to show it off after the war because it was kind of ravaged and nice and nobody had blah, blah, blah. So it was set in stone straight away that Carol Reed would direct it. So they wanted Graham Greene to write it. So they said, well, I say, why don't you bugger off to Vienna and then Italy and do some bloody research? So he went to Vienna and absolutely fell in love with the place, basically. And he was there for two months, shown around uh, the city, by a, a, a friend, Elizabeth, funny enough, that name comes up again, uh, and absolutely loved it, and then toodled off to Italy, uh, did absolutely no research, and wrote a novella. So the novella was essentially to work out the tone and characterization and atmosphere of the film. Mm-hmm. It was never intended to be released as a book. It was later released as a book, uh, because he'd written a book. So they were like, this yeah, film's well. been massively popular. We might as well, we've got this book here. We just did, you know, just double down. A few quid. Yeah. Um, the narrator, there's a few differences. The, the narrator in the novella is actually Major Calloway, um, and Holly Martin and Harry Lyme are both, are both English. British. Yeah, they're English in, in the book, not, not American. Um, the ending is also different in that she doesn't totally ignore him. They walk off together. So she initially ignores him, and then he catches up with her, and then they hold hands and walk off. Yes, it's all very and nice. there was a Barney yes, when so they were yeah. making it, because yeah, they yeah. didn't want... I can't remember who wanted it to be a happy ending and well, who didn't. Green, Green, Green wanted to keep the ending he'd written, and Carol Reed was like... Have you seen the rest of the film? Might be a bit out of place if there's suddenly a super happy ending. <laughs> I do like the fact that that's not something that happens anymore. How do you mean? Well, generally speaking, cinema is so obsessed with the happy ending that they don't seem to care what's gone before. Yeah, no, I know. It's like, have you, you, you know, watched Taken again? Yeah. Uh, and that kid who was basically sold into modern day slavery, addicted <laughs> yeah. to heroin and what have you, yeah. at the end of the film, she's skipping around a bloody airport, yeah. not caring the world. Yeah. Just, it's just Frankie not realistic. And the third one being all hot and then getting killed. He crashes that Porsche into the plane at the end. Anyway. that really sad bit when he's running down the sewer and he just looks so old and tired. I remember being in the cinema being like, oh God, I feel sorry for Liam Neeson. So anyway, there's been speculation over the years that Wells actually directed it. Uh, but that's a load of old shit, basically. Yep. Um, it, it's not true. Um, it, it, he, Carol Reed was quite influenced by Orson Welles and that's because Orson Welles was the biggest filmmaker in the world at the time yes. so everybody was he'd made Citizen Kane everybody was influenced by him <laughs> um, Welles also wrote all his own dialogue as well uh, which is why that performance feels so Wellesian as it were because it's very much him at the height of his powers I suppose when was more of the Welles? Uh, I don't know can't was remember that 40s or 50s? No, uh, mm, I don't think remember. it was before Wait, anyway regardless so um, David O'Selznick agreed to produce four movies with Alexander Corder so he could distribute in the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only ever did one because they fucking hated each other because, as mentioned before, David O'Selznick was a prick. Um, or as I've written here, David O'Sleeznick. That's the second, <laughs> second Freudian slip in my notes. David O'Sleeznick. 
Talk about unnecessarily slandering a dead man. Um, he had no creative input, but he Who? did Selznick. But he okay. did supply all of damn actors. Uh, he had people like he had Joseph Cotton under contract. He had Watson Wells under contract yep. as a as an actor. Um, he actually originally wanted Robert Mitchum to star in uh, star as Holly Martins, which he couldn't do. Uh, which he couldn't do because he'd been nicked for um, marijuana possession. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. Robert Mitchum is a fucking badass. Yep. Highly recommend watch Night of the Hunter. Yeah, that's a, a, an aside recommendation, but yeah, incredible. But yes, unfortunately, um, Mitchum's l- love affair with the Mary Jean <laughs> meant they yeah. couldn't make this. But film. they were all massive. I mean, they all. I mean, I, I, we should just do an episode that's just like. How cool was the Golden Age of Hollywood? And also, how harrowing was the Golden Age of Hollywood? That would be a great episode. And Carol Reed actually wanted Jimmy Stewart um, for, for Holly Martins, but Selznick then insisted on Joseph Cotton because he had him under contract. Yeah. That would be a very different film. I was uh, gonna, almost going to break out a Jimmy Stewart impression, then, but I'm not going. No, I can't oh. do it. I can't. You want the moon, Mary? No, I'm not doing it. I was going to do you want the moon, Mary? I can't do it. I can't do it. He was he also weirdly Jamaican? Irish. Jamaican? He was Irish, I think. <laughs> I couldn't tell where it was going. Anyway, regardless, um, <clears throat> they shot for six weeks in Vienna, which ended in December 1948, and uh, they loved it. Vien- the Viennese, they said, let's give this filmmaking a whirl. <laughs> Keep tuning in for this goal, baby. That's three awards, baby. That's three awards. <laughs> I said baby a lot today. I say, oh, anyway, let's, oh, God. Look, I feel a bit rusty. We're in a pub. I feel a bit weird. <laughs> the Viennese Police Department, you're just going to let me keep going, aren't you? I hate you yep. so much. <laughs> the Viennese Police Department, um, they actually uh, have a special unit which is assigned to patrol the sewer system. Yeah, because the sewer system under Vienna, yeah. it's, it's a real thing, although yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Autumn Wells doesn't like it. No, um, no. And yeah, because it is so easily accessible and so vast and sprawling, they have a special police unit who literally know how to get around it. Yeah. Because it was, funny enough, used as a rat run by a bunch of criminals. No, no, exactly. Um, no, no, exactly that. And it was used, you know, for smuggling and like good for hiding, hiding stuff and all that kind of business. So the actors playing all the, a lot of the police officers in the film are actually, when, are, are actually just the policemen yeah. because they know. And they, where they cast can a load of locals stuff. as well, right? In kind of bit yeah. parts, extras, and Absolutely, less bitty yeah. bit parts, as we yeah. can see. Yeah. Um, so uh, on nights uh, when it was when rain was unavailable, essentially he wanted the city to like glow because because of, of the black and white. On the, si- the nights when it was wasn't raining, um, the city fire department um, hosed down the streets. You can actually see him in some of the shots in the background. It's a bit weird, <laughs> a bit of a, a continuity issue. Um, and uh, yeah, they. Um, yeah, they host down the streets to make them shine the, in the light. The most notable uh, moment of this is when he's chased uh, Lime for the first time and mm. loses him. Yeah. And he's walking around that square yeah, and everything yeah. is just glittering. Yeah. And so that's a big like, thing. Oh, that's actually pretty. in the 80s is very copied by Steven Spielberg in yeah. particular. If you ever look, watch a scene at night of those, and Robert Zemeckis is a lover of this as well, you all, they're very shiny and it's, it looks like it's just rained all the time. It's because it just looks nicer under the, under the lights to have the wet... Well, frankly, especially if you're dealing with like tarmac and yeah. pavement yeah. and concrete. And when you're in California and stuff, it's just dust. Yeah. I mean, you forget California is basically the desert. So, yeah, they hose it down and it looks a lot nicer. Hose it down and it looks nicer. It might Got be anything on that one? <laughs> Got anything for that one? <laughs> it's been 10 minutes since we've had a dick joke. Is that, do you want any? Want to, no? No, okay. no, that's fine. We'll let that one roll. Um, <clears throat> one, as you say, it's about the residents, um, the balloon seller. During the stakeout, balloon man here, balloon man here, uh, that they just trying to get rid of, and eventually just pays him, and really made me laugh. And Carol Reed always insisted this movie is a comedy, and this movie made me laugh 
out loud there a are lot of times. a couple of moments that are genuinely funny yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and a few that are genuinely not <laughs> sure yeah uh, so that guy the balloon seller uh, he is he is literally a local balloon seller and they were like we should get him in get him in that's that's cool bit of local color <laughs> a local balloon seller um one evening actually when trevor howard who plays major calloway was out and about um he went out on the lash in his uniform and so keep in mind, this is three years after the war's ended. So he's in a uh, major, sorry, he's in a, um, actually an army colonel um, uniform. Um, and he had to put, the police were following him because he was being so leery, but they didn't want to approach him because he was in an English army uniform. They just thought, oh, we don't need the, uh, don't need the, the hassle. Um, eventually they approached him and he was so pissed, he said he wasn't an officer, but he was an actor in uniform. So they nicked him for impersonating an officer. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it took, it took production people and Carol Reed an enormous amount of effort to get him released so they could keep filming the movie. <laughs> I just love he's got up, like, real recently post-war Vienna dressed up as a soldier. <laughs> Absolutely paralytic. I love it. So after their lovely six-week sojourn to Vienna, they then moved to Shepperton Studios for the interiors. In London, England. In London, England, for the interior shooting. Um, the sewers were actually shot in location with a body double. Um, and well, it's because Orson Welles refused to go into the sewers. Yeah, he actually came to Vienna and shot his scenes and loved it. And then they were like, cool, we've got to go down in the sewers now. And he was like, uh, nah, uh, no, nah. no, no. So it's a body double. Uh, we will come to who that body double is a little bit later. Um, the suspense is killing ooh, me. Yeah. Um, I know we do this a lot and I think we should probably stop, <laughs> by the way. No, I think it's good. Okay. I think it's one of the things You think it keeps people, people listening? Oh, yeah. Think, oh, I've got to know who that body double is, they say. And it's good because we really always really big it up and then it's such a letdown. It's always such a it's legit so eye-opening. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, um, right. then he moved on to Sepperton because uh, Wells did shoot there and he was happy to because it was set and not a sewer. Not only did he shoot, he got shot. hey Is this kind of gold they tune him for? Come on, keep going. Um, they, <laughs> all right. Um, Reed actually, just going back to Vienna very quickly, Reed actually had four different camera units shooting the whole time they were in Vienna. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just shot round the clock, um, and he actually... Insisted on directing all of them. Yes, so he um, used um, Benny's, Benzedrine, to stay awake the whole time, uh, which was a very popular legal drug at the time. It's meth, it's meth, it's meth. Um, and he got addicted, um, and apparently Selznick was um, addicted to it. It's, it's, it's more speed than meth, I suppose. It's methamphetamine. Yes, indeed. Um, and then, yeah, so Selznick was into it, got Reed hooked, and, uh, and uh, yeah, he was doing 20-hour days, apparently. You see, I mean, say what you will about speed. You might lose your mind and your teeth, but damn, you're going to be productive. <laughs> yeah. You will shoot all of Don't your, do drugs, all people. All of your angles of your... Don't do speed in particular. <laughs> Just explain the Dutch angles. Just remember being at university and, you know, as one does in university, one, you know, experiments, that kind of stuff. No. And just having friends say to me once... For the love of God, man, please don't ever do speed. <laughs> Imagine me on speed. I think that would be... Uh... <laughs> I would just disappear into the speed force, I think. <laughs> it's a flash. I was going to say, yeah. yeah it, sorry, it, it, I'm, yeah. I'm envisaging the flash, only <laughs> more annoying. With less teeth. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, um, yes. Um, I, I've weirdly misplaced that go to Shepparton, but they went to Shepparton and they did the set stuff. But going back to when they were shooting Vienna again... Um, Wells actually added the line, um, it's like the fellow, you know what the fellow said, in Italy, 30 years under the Borgias, um, they had warfare, terror, murder and bloodshed, but they produced Michelangelo, Da Vinci and the Renaissance. In Switzerland, they've had brotherly love, they've had 500 years of documentaries, and what did they produce? The cuckoo clock. Um, he said he got it from some old Hungarian play. 
But as with everything that he said, apparently that is a load of old shit. <laughs> He's just clever and made it up and then was like, oh, it was just from some play. Also, this has, this has remained a point of contention for the Swiss, who pointed out that at no point did they ever make yeah, cuckoo exactly. clocks. They're so all German. He actually said, when, the, when it came out, the Swiss very nicely pointed out to me that they never made any cuckoo clocks. They're made in the Black Forest, yes, in <laughs> Germany. It's not, it's not a Swiss thing. It's not, it's not anything like that. So, before wrapping up on production, we should touch on the music. Which the music is, is amazing. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things where it starts, and that third man theme... Um, Which I, by the way, until I watched this movie, did not realise that yeah. was where it was from. You, like you, like that's exactly it. Like, and, and, and I didn't really realise either until I started reading about it that I just kind of thought that was a piece of music and is from this. It's, 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 it's yeah, it's amazing. So uh, read. Um, it's also very jaunty for a noir yeah, detective is, murder investigation. But anyway, yeah, you know, it is, you know, I, I definitely, I definitely like. I think that's part of that. Everything not feeling quite right, like the Dutch angles, all that kind of stuff. It's that kind of. Well, that was the speed. We've discussed this. Yeah, well, yeah, no, indeed. <laughs> he didn't know which way was up anymore. So it's, it's played on a zither. It is. Um, which is from um, the same... It's the same family as guitars. It's, it's a like stringed a, instrument. It's a stringed instrument. Uh, it, it, the zither is from a Greek word. It has many strings becomes, in memory serves. Yeah, it's like way more than... Guitar sits, right? And then whatever, and then... Or well, bass. Bass is Unless four. you're in the President's United States of America. Ukulele is three and a half. Three and a half? Just yeah. a half a string? Yeah. How long is a piece of string? Is it on a ukulele? The old adage... Ooh. Not sure where you're going with that. No, right, Zithering. Right. Anyway, Zithering. Um, so, anyway, Reed um, heard Anton Karas, who did the music, playing at a production party. Um, and loved it so much that he actually insisted the Austri- Austrian come to his uh, hotel room to record a load of tracks. Uh, and then it was so well received that he um, was like, oh, fuck it, just do everything. Yeah. Just, just, do, just the whole do the soundtrack. soundtrack. Do the whole soundtrack. Um, well, we were touching this in one star reviews. Um, I would say 99% of the bad reviews of this film are like, the music is terrible, I hate that instrument. To the point where I'm going to mention it now so that I don't have to read any of the reviews. Because That's it's, fair. It's like, the movie was good, but the music wanted me, make me want to kill myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so later in production, like I say, he realised he wanted to use it for the whole film. Um, so Karras was flown out to London to record the whole sco- score. It was actually released before the film came out. And spent like eleven weeks as number one, yeah. essentially, and became just a huge. Like, that thing. Harry Lyme theme, the main theme. Yeah, and, yeah. Is it Princess um, Margaret? Was a massive. Was it Princess Anne? Yeah, uh, Princess it was Margaret. played in dance clubs. They were yeah. advertising it on billboards. Absolutely loved it. So by the time that Selznick, Selznick actually got around to releasing the movie in February 1950, the Harry Lyme theme was already like a huge, huge, huge hit. Um, so when the movie was released, the tagline was featuring the famous Z- Zither score by Anton Karras. Um, He'll have you in a dither. With his, With his zither. zither. Truly a tagline I worthy of ourselves. I think we've actually just dated your version of comedy. It's <laughs> so good. Yeah. I love a 1949... You're a tagline ter- writer for <laughs> like late 40s. Yeah. Yeah. And just as my last little thing, um, Carol Reed, uh, after the film was released, as a rap party present um, by the production crew, was given a spirits level. And then was apparently independently sent several spirit levels by film critics from around the world who all thought I'm really funny and, and original. So he just received a shitload of spirit levels in the post. With people being like, hey, hey, because the film, it's all tilted, isn't it? <laughs> it's brilliant. Very good. Very yeah. good. So I think you're right, actually. My sense of humour is from 1949 tagline writer. So let's have a quick. Um, a quick discussion about the release and the awards. Thank God you this, finished that sentence. Let's have a quick, um, 
Considering you how know? we opened this episode. I haven't had a lot of human contact in the last three months, Rob, and I... <laughs> anyway. One um, metre, Mike. One metre. <laughs> at least. I've got very long arms. Anyway, um, when it was released, uh, Selznick, obviously it was released in the UK, yep. uh, but it was released in America. Selznick cut out 11 minutes to make Holly much more of a hero and less of a drunk. Also to make it adhere to the fact that the puritanical rules of cinema are in America yes, did not allow for one specific scene, in fact. Oh, yeah. Um, side boob. Not even side boob. This is boob with a... Uh, I think she's got like a little croissant over it or something. <laughs> a little croissant. It's, honestly, if you look at it, <laughs> it looks like a little panneau raisin. Right. I think she's got a fucked up nip. No, no, there's no nipple. You can't eat. Look, even British cinema wouldn't allow nipple in 1949. Uh, okay. I, I, honestly, I've watched this twice this week, and I haven't really noticed that boob bit. I've, re- I've read about it, but I've not. I only noticed it because you it was went frame by frame all the way through. It was cut out. Well, it was the bit in the tape that was worn out. Uh, <laughs> don't know where I got that You're copy from. A VHS of this, incredible, incredible. Um, yeah. Things that the current generation will never come to appreciate. When yeah, you watch no, one no. of your dad's movies on VHS, and there's. Saxophone music starts playing and the tape starts to get a little bit crackly and you're like, oh, I'm weird. <laughs> Funny that this bit seems to be uh, massively... And you're like, Dad, what are you doing? And he's like, well, son, this is oh, cool. No, no, okay, no, okay, no. Right, so yes. Uh, so they you cut them. Uh, you want to make a Holly more of a hero and less of a pisshead, <laughs> less of a drunk. Um, and actually, it and would the, take a bit more than eleven minutes to do that, well, but unless they just took out every time he takes a drink. The harder, dr- and honestly, I think it's pretty much they just cut every bit time he takes a swig. Um, and they also replaced so the the narration is Carol Reed doing the setup. It's actually the director, yes. and he replaces it with with Holly. Yes, Holly doing the the narration himself, essentially, to make it more Americanized, to basically explain where Austria is, what the Second World War was like in Europe. It wasn't just Pearl Harbor. I had to Seven explain seconds. where Austria is. This is a period in time, don't forget, where they're making Robin Hood movies with Errol Flynn and they shoot them in Mexico because the Americans don't know what England looks like, let alone Mexico, so they can shoot in Mexico and say, this is what England's like. Don't worry about it. And they're like, oh, okay, we haven't been anywhere, so fine. Then they get to Milton Keynes and they're like, well, <laughs> yeah. this is not what was in the brochure. <laughs> <laughs> um, it won and was nominated for various awards. Um, it was nominated for Best Director uh, at the Oscars. This is it was uh, Best Cinematography, Black and White. Yep. Um, and it won. And it won. Uh, sorry, it was nominated for Best Film Editing uh, at the Baftas. It was nominated for Best Film, and it won Best British Film. Because it is a British film. Well, yeah. Well, we, we, we will come to that in just a moment. Um, it was nominated for the Grand Prix du Festival International de Film at Cannes. At Cannes. Or alternately, an Italian film festival, because apparently I was speaking French with an Italian accent. For some well, reason. I'm just checking, because also you could just run a film festival. <laughs> I mean, you could run a film <laughs> yeah, festival exactly. and have Le Grand Prix de Cinéma International. At Mike's house for the at last the week. Mike's house. <laughs> he watched this in The Old Guard, and he's decided that The Third Man was better, although he thoroughly enjoyed I tell the, you what, the Old Guard. I think that the, uh, the, uh, the, the jury behind that particular <laughs> award has not really recovered from its watching of Transformers <laughs> Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> The classic, the classic. They do blow a Sorry. lot of things up. They do. Uh, and the Directors Guild of America, it also was nominated for Outstanding Directing. But it didn't win. Really didn't win. Really didn't win. So, so it um, won less awards than The French Connection. Yes, it did. It won a lot less. And, and, so you're and, making uh, me watch movies that are worse now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Next, next month, it's Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> it really falls off a cliff. It's like French Connection, <laughs> The Third Man, Dark Side of the Moon. No. You're not allowed to watch the first one for any context either. <laughs> I don't really need to at Yo, that point. You, do, you have to. No, I don't think you do. 
So, as you say, it is an English film, although it was uh, it was top in BFI's best 100 best films. Best 100 best films? You know what I mean. Yeah. But it was Those also wouldn't. number 57 in AFI's top American films because it had Wells in it, who was American, yes. and was produced by an American, yes. but it was written and directed by an Englishman. Yes. So America would do their normal thing of like, no, that's American. Really? Two American guys involved? Literally everything else in Europe? Yeah. Typical. Clearly American. Clearly American. Um, so anyway, that wrong. Oh, come on, that's not what not Mexico nice looks like, that's England. So as a bit of legacy, this is interesting, I found this very interesting. There was okay. a television spin-off starring Michael Rennie there as was. Harry Lyme. Because Harry, Harry Lyme's character, just yeah. to, I mean, you, you know this, but just for the people who don't, Harry Lyme's character, even though he's only on the screen for the last third, last quarter, to be honest, yeah, of this yeah. film, yeah. proved so popular. So charming. Um, a, the the awesome Wells, Wells, yeah. uh, uh, portrayal that... Mm. They produced that, yeah. an entire miniseries. There was a TV series from 1959, so ten years after the film. You know what that miniseries was called? Uh, the Third Man, Harry Lime, no, The it was Young a Years. Wedge of Lime. <laughs> wedge of Lime! That's it. If, you know what? Nowadays, you'd have a podcast, and yeah. that is what it would be called. Wedge of Lime. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Um, so, yeah, it ran from 59 to 65. Uh, five seasons starring Michael Rennie. Um, but 51 to 52, Orson Welles actually started a British radio series called The Adventure of Harry Lime. Um, which in America was called The Lives of Harry Lyme which is weird uh, but anyway uh, it was based on his early adventures but it was much more jovial and like Harry Lyme was his charismatic fun figure not uh, not somebody who's all watered down penicillin down. to kids um. <laughs> yeah, yeah letting kids die of meningitis yeah yeah um, in 1999 it was announced that John McTiernan was going to direct a modern day remake starring Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor I've said it before, I will say it again, I would watch the shit now, out of that. Whilst that sounds weird, John McTiernan remade the Thomas, Thomas Crown Affair with Pierce Brosnan. It was terrible. Oh, I thought it was, I think it's amazing, I love that remake. What? It's a great remake. Oh, God. Oh, wow, okay, okay, I loved it. Look. So, our last little bit is... A small quiz. Oh. I'm just singing along with the music that's in the bub now. So, it's, it's not really a quiz, but it is. Did you spot the links to a famous franchise of which we have never covered on the podcast? Um, I'm guessing you're talking about James Bond. I am talking about James Bond. There are one, two, three. I've got to count them because I can't remember. Three, four, five links. How many of these would I actually spot? Uh, well, it depends if you've looked at the credits for two of them. And you would probably spot one of the others. Right, okay. So an obvious Full one, disclosure. Right? the obvious one. Uh, before we sat down to record, I did actually have a look at this this morning because I don't like to lose. And <laughs> it turns out. I shouldn't have told you this was coming. No, no, this it's fine. I'd, I'd already worked out half of it. But, okay, so seriously, the stuff that I knew before I looked right. or spotted, mm -hmm. uh, the links between James Bond that I uh, worked out are three of them. Right. Uh, and um, possibly all three from the same movie, actually. Okay. Uh, so, firstly, you have uh, the actor. Right. Uh, what's his name? Played M. Also uh, played Sergeant Payne. Bernard Lee, thank you. Yep, absolutely. So, he's number one. Yep. Number two, the uh, Ferris wheel mm -hmm. is the Ferris wheel that uh, Dalton goes around in the Living Daylights. It is, but that's not actually one of my links. That's a good, that's a good shout. That's not actually one of them. Seriously? So, the six, yeah. 
The six, well done. You know, okay, uh, the balloon seller, balloon mm-hmm. mynheer, that yeah. line is also uttered in The right. Living Daylight. Yes. It's a different balloon seller. Yes. He's quite old in this, yeah, so I'm indeed. guessing he didn't yeah, make yeah, it. Yeah, indeed, yeah, of course. Uh, and those are the three that I got. So, the other ones are Guy Hamilton, who directed Goldfinger, Diamonds, uh, Diamonds Forever, Live and Let Die. Is the AD. So he's the assistant director and also the body double of Orson Welles in The Oh my God. So that's Guy Hamilton. That does come around. That does work. Yeah, it does, yeah. You remember that thing, listeners, where we were talking about coming back to that earlier and (laughs) I said it would be terrible and actually that's not bad for us. Actual payoff, yeah. Moderate payoff. Uh, The sound editor on the film was John Glenn, who later became the director for Your Eyes Only, Octopus. So those are the other two I know, so I'm intrigued as to what you're saying. He directed Living Daylight's License to Kill. Robert Brown, um, who plays a military policeman, um, later is also M in the Timothy Dalton era. Ah. So he's a military policeman stood behind Payne at one point. All right. He's also plays M, so there's an M behind an M. And also Jeffrey Keane, who is the Minister of Defence in the Moore era, who if I showed you a photo of you would definitely recognise he's that guy. He's always, there's the minister there. He's also a military policeman. So, so in a line there's literally an M and M and a Minister of Defence from Bond movies. And they're in Vienna. And they're in Vienna. Yeah. There we go. Right, loads of Bond stuff in it. So yeah, no, I, I will, I will claim. Uh, frankly, I'm going to claim all the points because I got I, one that you um, didn't spot, which is a giant I'm, fucking Ferris wheel <laughs> in the middle of the city, which I've been on in Vienna. <laughs> I've been there and been on it. <laughs> so fifty percent. Yeah, fifty percent. Yeah, I absolutely nailed it. Yeah, absolutely nailed it. So that brings us to our reviews. Ooh, I'm going to let you go first this time. So, what are we going to give it out of? Ferris wheels. Balloons. Balloons. How many balloons? Out of five balloons. I am giving it four balloons out of five. Why doesn't he get five? Because whilst it is a classic of the noir genre... By the way, that's it, Rob. Focus on the negative. <laughs> whilst it's a classic of the, of the noir genre, um, it's not my favourite, and I don't think Ooh. it's the best example. Okay. I prefer American noir, to be honest, to European noir. Well, of but that's you a do. personal taste. Of course I do, of course I do, yeah. Of course I do. It's Humphrey Bogart, baby. Um, uh, I prefer American noir, if I'm honest. Um, but it is truly. Um, I mean, I, I watched it twice this week and was not for a second bored the second time watching it at all. It was not a, oh, I need to watch this because we're doing the podcast situation. It was, oh, no, I'm quite happy to watch this again. It is very, very good. And as I say, made me laugh out loud a number of times. Right, I am uh, not saying this just because you gave it four. I'm going to give it four and a half. Ooh. It loses half a balloon, uh-huh. uh, basically because the plot is a bit rubbish. Uh, and I don't mean the plot is rubbish, I just mean the story is a little bit clunky and circular and what have okay. you. But it doesn't matter sure. because the performances are wonderful. Yes. I mean, Valley uh, playing Schmidt... Yeah. is gorgeous and has He's this very fantastic. strange European accent that kind well, of roams Selznick around. Selznick wanted her to be like really dressed up and be really glamorous all the time and Carol Reed and Graham Greene were like, uh, no. you are not getting the point of this film, are you? You're not getting uh, the tone of this, mate. But, you know, she is a genuine uh, uh, smouldering Hollywood mm. beauty even though she kind mm. of is and kind of isn't. Mm. Um, they don't, 
disappeared too far up their own asses of the classic kind of we're going to just fixate on the face of the actual actress that was big in kind of 40s yeah, yeah, cinema. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to let their face fill the wall, fill yeah, the silver yeah. screen yeah. and what have you. There's a bit of that, but not too much. Yeah. Uh, there are some amazing, 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 uh, I mean, props to the makeup department because those hairdos stay yeah, put. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. gets out of bed twice yeah. and both times perfectly. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Exactly. You could not pull that off. Do you know what um, I, do? I love? I, I love Major Calloway as well. That guy playing Major Calloway, Trevor Howard, is so good. Is that like just, prim and proper? Yeah, the whole, the whole lot. And visually, considering it's shot in black and white, mm. it is sumptuous. It's some of they, the best example of black and white photography. Yes. Film, I mean, uh, but black and white photography, light in motion, all of yeah, that good stuff. Yeah. The work with shadow, with uh, light, with uh, you know the, the pulling and the cutting of the shots and what mm. have you. It is... To my mind, an absolute textbook example of how you make a film. Yeah, I mean, Carol Reed is. I mean, I mean, he was, he was up to his eyeballs in in Dexedrine, apparently. Yeah, but, also but incredibly yeah. high. Yeah, it, it just it really is a, a technical tour de force kind of thing. And do, do you think? Just, just on the side, um, Callaway. Yes. Right? You've seen Inglorious Bastards. Yes. You know Michael Fassbender. Yes. In Inglorious Bastards. Yes. He definitely is just doing Terence Howard in The Third Man, right? Yeah. It's just the same character. I had a little look online, think, but there's I nothing about that. I think we've previously that. agreed that Tarantino does not have an original <laughs> bone in his body. No, Fassbender is just doing Terence Howard in The Third Man, 100%. No, I, I, and like I said, I, yeah, I, I think you're right. He is, I will not be watching it again for a bit. Uh, I can see myself happily watching it and exploring more of the same. Well, when we get on to... I'm probably um, being disappointed because they're not quite as good. When we get on to recommendations, I'm about to give you... A, a watch list if you enjoyed this basically so I mean well I say I'm going to give the, you you, know, you will know all these films music on yeah, so um, should we do one star reviews before we do recommendations yeah I mean presumably you you were, weren't joking when you skipped all the ones who were like I don't like zithers honestly I found the three that are negative that aren't about zithers or the blu-ray being shit <laughs> so very long story short love that um, that's the world we now live in the rights lapsed. hatred of zithers the <laughs> and a crap pressing the, the rights lapsed on the film so in the UK it was oh, always owned by Carol Estates so it was uh, it, it was it isn't now um, but for like 30 years it was lapsed in America so there are an enormous amount of DVD Shonky and Blu-ray and... that have been released over the years, which is terrible. The rights have now been given by the courts to Canal Plus, which is the Blu-ray I've got. I highly recommend getting that. Although I That's bought the British remastered edition. Yes, it's right. 111 minute yeah. with the proper restored Carol Reed narration. Um, it is very good. I bought it when it was released, and it was like eight quid. Um, and uh, now I looked at it the other day on Amazon, and it's like forty-eight quid. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they didn't do many. Oh, that do was many the other thing I was going to say in my review. Sorry, before we get mm. on to no, no, uh, no, crap no. people being crap. Mm. Uh, the other thing I like is it's not massively long. It's feature length. No, um, hundred and forty uh, minutes. Oh, sorry, an hour and forty minutes. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Um, yeah. And it doesn't feel one. quick. It doesn't feel mm. rushed, but it also doesn't feel like it drags itself. It just out. gives itself enough time. Yeah. Exactly. It yeah, perfectly fits into that slot. And to be mm. honest. You're going to hate me for saying this, but increasingly, uh, I have started to begrudge. We were looking through, what was it? Flipping through a streaming service, like no, looking for a film to watch. We've got that. about an hour and a half. Yeah. And all two and a half bloody hours. No, I agree. Well, I 100% agree. Get I don't, over yourself. I don't mind watching a three Tell hour a story long. in a window. I don't mind watching a three hour Quentin Tarantino movie, but equally, if I'm just watching some kind of Sunday afternoon action movie, it doesn't need to be two hours and 15 minutes long, for fuck's sake. Looking at you, Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Three hours. Why is Pearl Harbor three hours? <laughs> three hours of you anyway, sorry. Uh, so people who did not like this film rather than me not liking other films. So, um, Stephen Alex. This oh, hang on. Wait. It's Amazon One Star Review. We nearly forgot the jingle. We did nearly forget the jingle. We did nearly forget the jingle. We did. 
Stephen Alex, this movie put me to sleep from January 2013. I know this is supposed to be a great movie, but it put me to sleep. The main character doesn't show up until 75% of the way through the film. That would suggest to me that he is not, in fact, the main character. You're just watching the supporting character for like an hour and a half, and then a guy turns up and he's the main character. Yeah. You've misunderstood narratives. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to tell you, Stephen Alex. Other not than... to mention casting, although I can <laughs> sympathise. The most famous person turns up, sure. Yeah. But, yeah, anyway. Wilmo Free, awful music throughout the movie. Dude, I had to put one in. Oh. I, co I couldn't give it zero stars. It's one of those ones. Won't let me give it zero. Um, this movie was based on a book by Graham Greene. One would think it was a good... Uh, with it, one would think with a good cast this would be a great dramatic movie. Alas, it was not to be. <laughs> Wait, this is not com, by the way. So this is definitely an American, like in the film, an American doing an English accent. Uh, we only got about halfway through the movie and turned it off. There was loud music that sounded like a mandolin that drowned out the actors' voices. It's a zither, mate. It's a, yeah, it's a zither. Uh, don't get in a dither, it's a zither, to quote sort of David O'Sullivan. Uh, even though this movie was 70, 70 years old, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Casablanca, which is 78 years old. So don't waste your time. I'm not going to lie, it wasn't Casablanca. I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed Casablanca. <laughs> I, I love Casablanca, but you, they're not wrong. We, it we you know, feel free to listen back in the podcast. Oh, way back. Back in the days when the podcast was 20 minutes long. <laughs> no, I think Casablanca's about 40. But <laughs> never, no, never I very much enjoyed that film. I enjoyed this film more. Yeah. Uh, Zither and all. Whiskey, Tango, Foxtrot, Don't Bother, October 2014. All of the characters in this movie were losers. Sorry, their username is Whiskey, Tango, Foxtrot. Yes, they were, yeah. Um, <coughs> this is the only review they put on Amazon. And it's my favourite type of Amazon.com review. The religious puritanical type. Oh, no. All no. of the characters in the movie were losers. Liars, cheats, fakers, untrue spouse, and the list goes on. Don't bother renting the movie. It just shows the moral decline of everyone in Vienna after World War II. Even the city is decimated. Congratulations, sir. You have caught, you have caught thrust upon the exact point of the entire movie. <laughs> and the then... <laughs> Missed it. What I didn't like about this film is all the moral ambiguity. What, you mean the point of the film? <laughs> you fucking idiot. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, don't watch it if you're not a fan of moral ambiguity. <laughs> so, that's it. I've only got three because the rest were just like, oh, zither's annoying. Which, to be honest, I do kind of get. I'm not <laughs> fair. I'm not going to lie. I'm, no. I'm not. Some. some some movies I yeah. come away from and I will be like, oh, I want to go and explore more of that composer's music. <laughs> uh, this one, leaving aside the fact that yeah. he didn't really do anything afterwards. No, you know they made him release and, and produce an entire soundtrack release, right? It went yeah. out on LP. So you, do you know what he did um, with money? He opened a, uh, a nightclub in Vienna um, that he randomly died. He, he used the money oh, nice. to buy a bar and nightclub and ran a nightclub himself. that's the Hollywood dream. Just the, just the rest of his life until he died. For Europeans, yeah. at least. Yeah. Um... So should we do recommendations? Uh, recommendations Legacy? We've done Legacy. Well, the, the recommendation... Recommend recommendation and Legacy, yeah, Phil. Yeah. I mean, it is a bit of both, I suppose. Go on. So, I'm just going to sit here and do this. Straight off the bat, mm -hmm. The Trial, mm -hmm. directed by Orson Welles. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. If you yes. like a Dutch angle, you should definitely watch it. It's in black and white. It's incredible. It's got Nicholas Perkins in it. Tell you what, Anthony if you Perkins like a Dutch angle. If you like a Dutch angle. Uh, it's got Anthony Perkins in it from Psycho. It is amazing. It is amazing. There's an incredible Blu-ray out from Carol. Is it good? Uh, it is amazing. Uh, I highly recommend it. You definitely watch that. Touch of Evil by Wells, which is a actually regarded as the last real American noir from the late 50s, starring Charlton Heston and Orson Welles. Fat Orson Welles. He's fat by then. Ten years later, he's big old, big old Orson Welles. 
definitely watch that. Also, Miles is in the trial as well, and he's so fat he can't get out of bed. So his character just in bed the whole time. It's fantastic. Lady from Shanghai. Also directed by Orson Welles. That is amazing. That is actually before this. I think that's 1944. That is an incredible film. You know the end of... Um, is it Enter the Dragon? When they have the fight in the Hall of Mirrors? Yes. Right. So that is directly inspired by the end of Lady from Shanghai. Which is a chase through a Hall of Mirrors at the end. Mirrors he with plays, the mirrors. He plays... Uh, he plays... He's an Irishman. He plays an Irishman called Blackie. <laughs> and it is... It's an amazing film. Orson Welles' performance is very good, but he is, he is doing a strange accent. It's very funny. In a Lonely Place, directed by Nicholas Ray, my favourite Humphrey Bogart film. You want to talk about moral ambiguity, mate? This one has got it coming out the wazoo. Can you tell I like from not? This is literally, I've got eight films here. I wrote a list originally that was like 25 movies. I was like, oh, I can't just do that. That's insane. Uh, so yeah, so that's amazing. Definitely watch that. Humphrey Bogart is, a, is uh, a, a struggling Hollywood writer and he's accused of murdering a woman and he's got a temper and a drink problem, right? And the whole way through the film, it becomes more and more increasingly a, a case of, shit, I think he actually might have done it. Like he, he, like, he has these outbursts, these drunk outbursts all the way through the film that are incredible. The Icarus File, starring Ooh. Michael Caine. Cold War, espionage. One I've seen. Great movies, <laughs> great movies. Highly recommend that. Great, and though the Icarus Follow actually made by Harry Saltzman, who's one of the producers of the Bond movies, and essentially all of the production team of the Bond movies. We probably covered this in the James Bond episodes, but I just don't remember. <laughs> I don't think we did. Um, I don't think there was any fine points or subtleties um, of that recording. So they wanted session. to make like a gritty Cold War yep. era espionage film. So they all went and made the Icarus Follow with Michael Caine. It's billed as a spy movie with Michael Caine in it, so it sounds like a parody, but it's not. It's very, it's not. Serious, it's very, 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 very good. good. Kiss Me Deadly by Robert Aldrich. I'm right. A classic. Oh, the Kiss film. Me Deadly, not Kiss Me kiss Deadly. Me. Kiss, kiss Me Hardy. <laughs> kiss Me Deadly by Robert Aldrich. A classic of the noir genre. Amazing. Can't, can't, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and wind it in a bit. Le Cirque Rouge by Jean-Pierre Melville, who is a, if you like the European aspects of this noir, Definitely investigate Jean-Pierre Melville. He did incredible work in the 50s in the war, in the war genre, including The Samurai, which is another incredible movie. It's not on my list. And finally, another one you've seen, Three Days of the Condor by Sidney Pollock. Incredible movie with Robert Redford. He wears big old yellow sunglasses all the way through. He does. It's a great movie. I mean, that's what makes the movie, the sunglasses. Oh, and our other favourite espionage movie you should definitely watch, Sneakers. Mini. Yeah, it's got spies in it's it. A stretch. It. Let's plug the sneakers. It's got Jesus. spies in it. <laughs> Those are my recommendations. Well, there's some of them. All good recommendations. DM I think. me for like a hundred more. <laughs> I think they should just be your your hundred days of noir. I can't believe you've never done proper noir. Why didn't you before. do a hundred days of noir? <laughs> yeah, I loved. I I could very easily do a hundred days of noir. Yeah. Uh, hey, do you have any recommendations? No. Cool. I think I've covered it now. Right? Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Not. Uh, it's not. Uh, uh, as we discussed at the end of Casablanca, to be honest, I, I have huge swathes of blind spotage when it comes to right. cinema made before a certain time that sure. certain time being about the 1970s okay. um, and which is fair I mean there's so much good stuff from then then it's hard, I, it's just I had better things to do in the 40s <laughs> yeah sure I clearly do not um, yeah so I don't really have masses the one thing I would say is that anybody looking for something similar today you're not going to find it no. It's of a time. Yeah, 100%. Um, and whether that's the American noir or just the noir movement or what have you, even the new stuff 
that you see coming out. Neo-noir. Neo-noir is neo for a reason, And it's right? very much, that's always based on, like, the 50s American noir. There's no new neo-European, well, I'm, I'm yeah. no doubt there are. DM me if there are, I'll definitely watch them. Uh, slip into my DMs and let me know. Um, How but, do they do that, given that you're not on anything? I'm on Insta. <laughs> <laughs> so slip him a pic. <laughs> slip into my DMs on Insta with a picture of a Blu-ray. And or you can it. tap us up on Twitter. Of course. Of course. And Rob will pass uh, on the message. Might do. We're going to be asked about. That's for Mike. <laughs> you get a lot of fan mail that no, I just do wow. not pass oh, on. That's very, that's very flattering. That's very flattering. <laughs> no, sorry, you've got a lot of male fans. Oh, that was... oh that's also very flattering. That's, yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, so they don't make films like this anymore. No. Um, and yeah, I don't quite know where I was going with that. There was a point, but, but I they lost don't. it. No, you're not wrong. That was the point, and it was a good one. Yeah. What I like about this is, as always, we are definitely finishing this episode on a really strong. Well, I think we are. <laughs> I think we're finishing it by saying they don't make films like this we're anymore. We're finishing by saying this is a thing that was good, and we've talked about it. When it was at the time, when it was good, it was good, and it's still good now. Yeah, and there's things aren't as good, but they are. They are as good, the but different. just in a different way. But just in a different way. And that has been the third man. We're now going to disappear into the sewers for a couple of weeks before returning triumphantly with our fingers waggling through the grate. It's Carol Reed's fingers, by the way, because Orson Welles yeah. wouldn't get in that sewer. No. Carol Reed's fingers. Also, to be honest, it looks a bit like one of those shots that filmmakers make because they're ridiculously high on speed. That was actually Orson Welles' idea. It was. But it doesn't mean that he wasn't on speed. Anyway, I mean, you're yeah. wrapping up the podcast. I'm trying to. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks' time when we have a deep dive into something that's completely unrelated to noir, men, third or otherwise. For all those of you who tuned in hoping to hear a cricket podcast, I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> Isn't that the... I don't get the joke. Is there not a sporting thing with the third man? Isn't that the 11th man? No. Then I've not Scooby. We might cut this bit out. No, I think we leave it in. It's perfect. It's so good because we finished. I tried to make a pun on a topic I know nothing about. We finished really weak, and now the outro also is finishing weak. So this is real. No, it's not weak. It's just we're we're filling time. Yeah, it's just like you know. That's what they tune in for. Sorry, trying to do something. <laughs> I'm trying. Would you mind awfully just fucking off into the sewers <laughs> so that I can just, shoot you in the back? Every month I manage to totally forget the format and how we do this every single it's month. It's only been four years, Mike. <laughs> do you know where the term Dutch angle comes from? No, but I have a funny feeling I'm about to find out. So apparently there was an old cinematographer nicknamed Dutch who was going blind and no one had the heart to tell him that as his eyesight was going, the angles were more and more off until eventually... They were at a Dutch angle. They were at a slant, so that's why it's called a Dutch angle. It's definitely not true. It's Seems a story my unlikely. Un- it's a story my uncle told whilst drunk at my wedding, uh, and and it's, it's also proliferated throughout the internet and the industry. Uh, it's definitely not a thing. I would assume there was a Dutch cinematographer who decided to do it. I don't know. Or all of them. Oh, oh, oh yeah, indeed. Maybe that's it, making movies in uh, the Netherlands. Well, all the Dutch, famously flat, so probably not on a hill, but all Dutch people the do irony. have... They have one, the irony. They, they, just to make it feel like, oh, this feels so exotic. They're obviously on a hill. Look, it's nearly, <laughs> that's nearly 10 degrees out of kilter. <laughs> that's insane. I don't remember seeing something wow. that wasn't perfectly perpendicular before. And also, all Dutch people have one leg six inches shorter than the other. Yes. 
that's that's true. That's a true thing. Yeah. That we can stay on here. I mean, that's why they have such high camber in the in the roads. Tell you what, this blooper section's gonna be long, in it to have all this in it. Well, that's right. We haven't got anything else. <laughs> uh, a, a writer of pulp fiction westerns, uh, and there was and a van driving past. <laughs> there was a van driving past. Should we start again? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't think they're allowed to do that right now. Uh, well, right, I know he's going to reverse stop, directly put a break in, otherwise we don't edit it properly. Um, but it comes from the Greek word, essentially, um, that became the word guitar. So it's the same root, essentially. Um, and it's multi-stringed, hard-bodied, kind of, with a, with a cavity like, like a guitar. Uh, and um, you are filling out a form, and I'm trying to just fill no, time no, as I'm much as possible. No, no, I'm I'm just going to see how far you're going to go. I just, go. I'm like, just... <laughs>